Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Musical Splaining Podcast. This is our Abbey episode, which in film terms is the second to last shot. Uh, I'm your host, Kava Taharian. <laughs> and um, I guess I'm second to last in, in everything. Uh, <laughs> your other co-host, Angelina Mian. That was such a downer. I didn't mean it to be a downer. I'm great. I, no, it's usually exciting on a film set because they're like, thank God, there's only two shots left. We get to wrap and go Can home. Can I ask why it's called, uh, but I guess in this called case, an Abbey? Uh, I don't, I think it's named after Abbey Singer, I want to say. Okay. I forget. I don't know. It's just a term that they throw on. Anyway, gotcha. uh, sidebar, just a sidebar. But anyway, today we're joined by a lovely guest. Uh, she is literally sent from the heavens as soon as she showed up, like a, a angelic light showed up around her. Uh, please welcome to the podcast, video essayist, Lady Emily. Lady, welcome. Hi, thank you. You, you can just call me Emily. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Also, uh, my theory for why it's called Abbey is because uh, the second to last Beatles album was Abbey Road. Mm, mm, so next mm. episode's going to be the Let episode, you know? I see. Yes. Oh, I like that. No pressure. This is the Abbey Road of, of <laughs> podcast episodes. I hope you're able to deliver on Abbey Road yeah. level of quality. Yeah, I'm absolutely coming in through the bathroom window with this one. Uh, it is yes. the end. <laughs> We're all coming together to <laughs> record yes. this penultimate There's- episode. I was say is that after Abby Lee Miller, which I think Abby Road's probably a step up from like Abby Lee Miller than this um, for all my dance moms mm-hmm. fans out there. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, anyway, she's gotten Emily, thank yes. you for joining us. We're very excited to have you on the podcast uh, for those of us, mostly me, uh, but also the audience. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do and and uh, what your relationship to musicals are is. Okay. Yeah, no. So, uh, like, like you said, I, I'm a video essayist. I'm a YouTuber person. I do videos mainly about like internet history okay. uh, or just media that I'm I'm hyper fixated on, like uh, gorillas or berserk or things like that. Uh, I also co-write for Sarah's Ad as well as do editing work sometimes there as well. I'm kind of just all over the place. Uh, I, I stick my hands everywhere, but you're my, in good my company. Main... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you you gotta get around, you know. Yeah. Yep. Um, as for my histories with musicals, um, it all started in fourth grade when I was shown the pro recording of Cats. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Such a canon event for so many of us. It so changed my life lives. dramatically. Uh, <laughs> and then after Cats, I was like, I'll get really into Little Shop of Horrors and this will be my personality for four years. And then in high school, I finally became a musical theater kid uh, and did musicals all throughout high school. I, I was in Hairspray and I was... Tate in Racked. Oh, that's right. You were in Racked. <laughs> yeah, yep. that's a that's a story. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so I, I've been really into musical theater. It, it, it's been something I follow for a while. I've done a few videos now with Sarah on musicals, and, it, and it's something that I'm passionate about, and that I, I try to immerse myself in, especially musical films, because it, I, I, mm. I I'm a film major. I went to school. I, I did that thing where you get degree in movie. Yeah, um, I did too. I got masters in movie. Oh, that's cool. Congrats. Thank you. I have a lot of debt. It's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I know I I got asked if I was going to do my graduate's degree and master's in film. But like when I graduated undergrad, it was 2020 in like COVID. I'm like, I don't oh my God, think it's yeah, a no. good idea to do grad school for time. film in <laughs> when everything is locked down. But yeah, I, I haven't seen as many musicals on stage. I only just saw my first two shows on Broadway last weekend right yeah <laughs> literally yeah. last weekend literally last weekend wow. beforehand okay. i had seen book of mormon when it toured in new orleans and dallas because i won the lottery uh, and then i saw cats in vancouver because <laughs> as you do in vancouver <laughs> as you do in Van- i saw cats in theaters four times in the movie theaters oh, so i'm sick. why <laughs> because it's good why? because it's good it's a fun time you can't say it's not a unique entertainment experience especially the 2019 movie so i get it 100 yeah. i saw Nightmares. i i saw i did see it four times i saw it twice at least it was like also like the last movie i saw in theaters before COVID. <laughs> oh my god yeah. i know it was like That's i saw why. it once by myself and then i was mm-hmm. like this is insane and then i got my childhood best friend i was like we have to go see this together so i saw it with him and i just felt like sister came for thanksgiving or no for christmas and I was like, we have to go see it. And then I heard it was coming out of theater. So it's like, I'll see it one more time for the road for myself. <laughs> one last part in Cats viewing. <laughs> one last rodeo. Um, 
Yeah, and then two weeks ago on Broadway, I saw Hades Town and Sweeney Todd. What two shows to uh, see right. though for your first what Broadway two shows? shows. Yeah, those, those are some good ones. Yeah. Nice. Well, so now you're up to date, and now we're here today to talk about Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which I keep remembering as Angry, angry Witch. Sure. Apparently, there are no witches in yeah. this. Unfortunately, no. I don't know what an Angry Inch is. You'll find out. Uh, but this seems like uh, wait. So Angie, have you seen this? I forgot. It seems like none of us have seen this. No, I've, I've I've seen this. Or actually. you have seen this? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I've seen. I've, so we're watching the film version, obviously. But um, I have uh, seen the film. Uh, I haven't seen it in like about maybe since I first started uh, dating my husband, which was fifteen years ago. Wow. Um, so it's been a it's been a good long time. But uh, like I, I guess I guess so. Like my 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 attachment to this, and this is very. Um, sad not sad it just it's like one of those moments where i'm like oh i'm old um was that i remember sitting on AOL listening to AOL radio All the right. broadway channel in 2001 as this movie was coming out having never heard of this movie and, and it was kind of the beginning of me deciding like no i am for serious a theater kid i heard a song off of this and was like what even is this about the movie had just come out coincidentally i like begged my mom to buy me a copy because i needed to know what this was and she did and uh my sister and i so i had to have been like in 10th grade and my sister was in middle school and my sister and i like watched this like 8000 times as like Preteens and like early teenagers, so we watched this a bunch, mm. and then I ended up my at my university my freshman year. They staged a production of it, and I, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I met the person who played lead guitar for the show and had a very big crush on them, and then we dated for like two and a half years. Oh, no so shit. Theater, oh theater, my god, theater dreams theater coming true! Holy yeah. shit! <laughs> so that's kind of my uh, association with it, but I haven't seen like uh, the only professional production I've seen of it. Um, was with Anthony Rapp back in like 2001, like right oh, around that wow. time. Um, but that's it. And I haven't honestly thought about this show in in a really, really long time, even though it had like a big, we'll, we'll get into it in the notes. But yeah, um, that's okay. my, that's kind of my, um, my earliest memory of what this show is. But uh, yeah, so <laughs> that that's, that's my attachment <laughs> to it. Uh, and then Emily, do you know like anything about it just sort of? On the outskirts yeah, about no, it. I it, it's one that I've heard about over the years, especially because I'm, I'm a really big fan of like Rocky Horror and like Shock Treatment, those Richard O'Brien musicals. And you, when you're in those circles, everyone's like, you like Rocky Horror. Have you watched Hedwig? And I'm like, no, I haven't. Uh, and I don't know why I, I, I put it off. I think it was a combination of like not having a copy of it. And it's not really something I would see on streaming services often. So it just would kind of be out of sight, out of mind uh, mixed with this like. Yeah, I'll get to it at some point, like, you mm. know, especially n- not knowing a lot about it, but knowing that it is like a very like gender queer thing to where it's like, OK, I'll need to be like in a good mindset to yeah. watch this because this is life. <laughs> uh, mm. But uh, it, it's one that I've been meaning to, especially once Criterion put out their version of it. I was like, ooh, well, now I have an excuse to buy this because it has all sorts of goodies in it. But then I just kept putting it off because I was like, I'll get to it at some point. I'll get to it at some point. I'll, I'll get this one instead and this one instead. And then finally last night uh, when I got the message that I'd be on the show, I was like, OK, cool. I have an excuse. <laughs> and so I went out and I bought the Criterion finally. Meant to be. We're glad it's to our benefit that you put it off for so long. Now we It was 50% to... off. So Oh, shoot. Oh, good, good all, all the stars were aligning. Uh, just, stars just were aligning. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, like I I've, might have heard snippets of some of the songs when they come on like my little Spotify shuffle mm-hmm. and whatnot when I'm listening to my my silly little show tunes. Yes. Um, <laughs> I know Neil Patrick Harris was in a production. Yeah. Uh, I know Darren Chris was in a production because I remember that from my Star Kid following days. Oh boy! Oh boy! That's a that's a dark hole to go down. The Star Kid. That's <laughs> a dark hole to go down. <laughs> we never even broached that. I think on this podcast, and I think you could just start a so separate. So many requests. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I don't blame you for not covering it because <laughs> the people and the fans are very online. It's a lot. Uh, it's a lot. Yeah, but uh, I guess yeah, the, the, you're 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 right on both those counts, and uh, we talk about it a little bit in the notes. Uh, so I, I guess maybe with that said, why yeah, don't we just get to, get to the notes? I do want to I say I guess put this out there for younger listeners or people who are not familiar with this um, that the as Emily said, this is a show that is a lot about gender and gender expression, and that some of the um, I guess the usage of pronouns here by the creator changes throughout time there's a long history with this character of Hedwig so um, I've done my best to adhere to the spirit of what the creators have said about Hedwig in using pronouns and also just keep in mind this was made in 1998 and language changes and I just want to put that out there we're all smart adults okay. who understand this but Thank I just you wanted for to doing that. preface Good to with know. that yes. yeah. 
I would argue that I'm not smart enough to understand just in general about anything, but you know, I will also do my best. You, you know so much about things, Kaveh. <laughs> I trust you on this one, but uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to, to cats. Press. You have seen, uh, you've okay. survived, <laughs> you have survived yeah. cats, you can do anything. Uh, once you've seen cats, you're, you can understand gender. <laughs> my That's how it works. Went up like 50 points. Okay, no. anyway. Uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch is a 2001 musical drama written, directed by, and starring John Cameron Mitchell with music and lyrics by Stephen Trask. It is based on the 1998 stage musical of the same name. Hedwig and the Angry Inch tells the story of Hedwig Robinson, a struggling genderqueer singer roaming buffets and VFW halls around the United States with her backing hand. What is VFW hall? What are uh, veterans VFW of foreign halls? wars? Like so, like so, they're uh, like they're like okay. yeah, like halls put mm. aside for veterans. It's kind of like you know you see like old gentlemen's clubs that are like oh the something yeah, union yeah. or blah 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 blah. VFW hall is is that basically, <laughs> but for veterans got it, specifically, got it. yeah. Okay, uh, with v- through VFW halls around the United States with her backing band, The Angry Inch. Originally born Hansel Schmidt, a rock and roll obsessed teenage boy growing up in communist East Berlin, Hansel falls in love with an American GI who promises to marry him and to take him to a better life in America on the one condition that Hansel has gender reassignment surgery and assume the identity of his wife. Unfortunately for Hedwig, though whose new... Uh, Unfortunately for Hedwig, whose new name is lifted from her mother's passport, the surgery is botched, and the resulting scar tissue, the titular angry inch, and her husband dumps her almost immediately upon their arrival to the United States. And when she finally believes to have met her actual soulmate, a talented young army brat musician upon whom she bestows the stage name Tommy Gnosis, yes. so too does this new person use her, stealing her music and becoming world famous with it. As Hedwig follows Tommy Gnosis across the country in an attempt to get her recognition, a deeper question follows her. Who is Hedwig ultimately? Will Hedwig and her musical genius get their due credit? Will she ever find her other half? Is it ever okay to put a bra in the dryer? <laughs> Apparently not. Uh, all this and more in Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Uh, after meeting on a plane in 1989, creators John Cameron Mitchell and Stephen Trask shaped the characters of Hedwig Schmidt and Tommy Gnosis across the years through skits and songs and drag clubs and cabarets across New York City, including the famous queer punk club Squeezebox. By February 98, the fully formed show Hedwig and the Angry Inch made its off-Broadway debut the at debut. the Jane Street Theater, where it subsequently ran for more than two years and picked up a major cult following. It won an Obie Award and the Outer Critics Circle Award for Best Off-Broadway Show. It has been professionally mounted countless times across the globe, including its long-awaited 2014 Broadway debut starring Neil Patrick Harris. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which is the, the the 2014 debut also had um, Anthony C. Hall from uh, Dexter, right? That's his name. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Uh, Tay Diggs and Darren Chris, I think, in this Broadway revival, all played. Hedwig at some point, but uh, didn't they bring back the original uh, guy? Oh yeah, too, yeah, yeah. Uh, he keeps coming back to play Hedwig quite frequently. Um, but yeah, um, I know like it's this is a part that has been played by people across the gender spectrum. Like um, Jinx Monsoon has, pl- which I, I wish I could have been sat for that. <laughs> Jinx Monsoon has played Hedwig. Um, oh gosh, I don't know uh, who Jinx Monsoon is, but that's a hell of a name. Oh, Jinx Monsoon, uh, one of my favorite uh, 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 RuPaul's Drag Race stars uh, was just in name. Chicago. <laughs> missed it hate myself so much for oh. it but um yeah so and it, it's also um this show if you go and even just looking at the wikipedia entry on it it has been mm-hmm. produced in pretty much every country <laughs> like there it is just and it, there, there's a good reason why and it, it's kind of an interesting thing when you actually see how it translates to movie but the show originally mm-hmm. and not even just originally but as it is is a one-person show with just a backing band it is like basically a 90-minute monologue for lack of a better word, um, uh, uh, with with songs huh. cutting it up, and the movie obviously doesn't do that, but it, it tries to you know flesh that world out and expand upon it, and it does it through um, a bunch of really, from my memory of it, having not seen it again in a long time, a bunch of really interesting, um, like there's animation interstitched with it. There's a lot of fourth wall breaking. There's just it, it's 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 interesting, and it was made for like six million dollars too, so it's also kind of like <laughs> fascinating to me. It is just like this. 
I don't know, like very curious to see how it holds up, you know, 20 some years later, 22 years later. Mm. Oh, God, I'm so old. <laughs> um, like uh, uh, with uh, as, as society has, uh, I guess, moved um, on from 1998 and 2001, that sort of thing. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, okay. it's, it's 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 a it's a very it has a big cult following, but it's also very polarizing. So I'm, I'm excited to dive back into it and uh, revisit some things. Okay. Yeah, I'm Sounds curious good. to figure out the discourse. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's, it's deep and intense and we'll touch upon it, I think in, in the second, second half, but yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of thought on it and a lot of really interesting, good thought. And then just a lot of like, um, I don't know, there's a lot of insane Hedwig and the Angry Inch tattoos out there. I've learned through the process of researching this too, but okay. uh, yeah, uh, people have feelings about this show and we've been asked, I think many times to do this one. So uh, here we go. We're doing it folks. We're doing Hedwig. All right. We're doing it, everybody. We've we've uh, succumbed to your requests. We're going to go watch The Angry Inch. Yeah. And uh, Emily, unless you have any thoughts before we go to the break, I think we're going to go and do it. No, I, I think that sounds good. Yeah. Exciting. Enjoy your Criterion collection and we'll regroup. We have returned. We have returned like Lazarus from the pit. Uh, now everyone wants to take a stab and decorate me with blood graffiti and spit. Enemies and adversaries, they try to tear me down. You want me, baby, I'll dare you. Oh, try to tear me down. I, like a sleeper cell sounds agent. sounds like a hip-hop musical wow. now. <laughs> yeah, living well? Oh my God. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Lin-Manuel Miranda. I'm guesting here on Musical Splaining. Spit out lyrics from Hedwig and the Angry Inch that are apparently still programmed into my memory. Because I never left high school. Yeah, uh, that's that. Sorry, um, <laughs> I'm just gonna walk. If, if I, I had watched I this in high school, so I would have been ruined too. So, <laughs> so yeah. don't yeah. worry. Uh, we we went, we came, we saw, we inched. We're angry. We're headwigged. Yeah, <laughs> we're here to give you guys a uh, re- quick recap of the story and then get into our uh, analysis and notes. Mm. Uh, but let's go ahead and start off. Uh, Hedwig's the story of uh, rocker lead singer of a band Hedwig and the Angry Inch. It starts with these, I guess we call them interstitials of performing in all these different restaurants. Yeah. It's like a yeah. following. It's like a fictional ahead, yeah. like chain restaurant called like Fiddle like Snickers a, or something like that. Like yes. They're like, what the fuck is up, Denny's is how they start. I wish they <laughs> sinking had. ship logo and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got like the little like buffet in the middle. But yeah, I think it's like a, a chain in the movie. I forgot that it's yeah. like a reoccurring joke <laughs> that it's like a like a sizzler type thing. Uh but yeah, we 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 have like a cold open with Hedwig and her band and uh we learn that she is following this very popular rock star across his tour named Tommy Gnosis. Um, and that's that's kind of like the beginning of this. But uh, with each gig as so a, every city he plays, they're playing like yeah. an adjacent restaurant. Right. Yeah. Right. Spite. <laughs> right. Right. Like he's he's in like doing arenas and like sold out stuff. And like, yeah, she, she's playing Sizzler she, again. Yeah. <laughs> she's at the Crab Shack next door. <laughs> right. 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 Crabby dicks. Um, but uh, with each, uh, I guess, subsequent performance uh we learn a little bit more about Hedwig's backstory and so yeah uh so basically Hedwig was born Hansel Schmidt in East Berlin uh during uh, obviously when when the uh, Berlin Wall was up and during the Cold War Mm -hmm. and like I think pointedly Hedwig says that her mom like went to East Berlin specifically like was just like I'm getting up and going over there just to kind of paint I want to go to that side yeah just to kind of paint a, a dark comic picture and so like um she grew up like listening to like um a lot of like American rock and roll, like Lou Reed. I think she specifically calls out and like David yeah. Bowie and stuff like that. And then um, in her, twi- and I think they're getting it through like the military radio specifically. Yeah, is yeah, how she's yeah. Able to access all that, right, right. Um, through American radio. Um, and then in her twenties, she meets uh this uh, American GI named uh uh Luther. Uh, Luther Robinson, yeah. Uh, There's a really funny joke that I forgot that was in here where she's like, I had already finished like my dissertation on rock and roll and like in philosophy (laughs) called you, you can't always get what you want. Career was over. Yeah. Uh, But so basically uh, Luther proposes to Hansel, but Hansel can't leave East Berlin. And so is basically kind of pressured into having a sex change operation and taking up the name of his mother. Hedwig, which is where Hedwig comes from, and then taking his last mm-hmm. name. And so 
she undergoes this. Uh, it ends up getting botched, hence the angry inch that we talked about. And again, a lot of this will will dissect as I'm yeah. recounting this. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll unpack it, I promise. Um, but uh, so she goes over to the United States, ends up in Junction, Junction City, Kansas, and Luther leaves her immediately. Yeah, immediately is just like bye, yeah, bye. And just like leaves bye. Her in the I found a trank. Bye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like the and also that same night the Berlin Wall is torn down, and so it's kind yeah. of like this realization that everything up into her Tragic. life has happened for yeah. for naught essentially. And so she's like, well, you know what? I'm just going to lean in. Like makes this decision. Like I'm just going to lean in. I'm going to you know do what I want to do. And you know she starts forming a band with um she's other. She's a fighter. Air- she's a fighter. Uh, yeah. She starts forming a, a a band with other housewives. And this is and like is also taking on babysitting jobs, and she ends up meeting like the seventeen year old son. Again, we're going to unpack this. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I, I promise, I, I understand that there's a lot that is being yeah. said right we'll here. We'll get to all of these things as this is being re- uh, recapped. But uh, so. Uh, she falls in love with him. His name is Tommy Speck, but like uh, he he's also in, really into her music, and like they form this bond over music. But um, as soon as uh, Tommy learns about Hedwig's past, he like runs and then also steals all of her music too. And so, mm-hmm. uh, and, and subsequently becomes like this huge rock star. And so all of Hedwig's music is out there, getting you know credited to Tommy. And Hedwig's just like. She's touring around a Denny's, you know, with this band of like. No, she's been robbed. Yeah, yeah, she's, she's been just, robbed. Yeah, she's, she's trying to she's trying to cope with this insane, awful thing of like yet another thing that's been stolen from her. Right, right. Just and like, like yeah. her own ability to like tell her own story through these songs. Yeah, and it's once again stolen by this terrible person who, admittedly, was very young and dumb. And yeah, not that that's an excuse, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, we'll unpack all of that, but. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> sort of like spirals. Apparently, gets married to somebody. Who, uh, what's the character's name? Um, uh, Yitzhak. Her husband. Yitzhak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yitzhak. Yeah. But yeah, there's definitely some resentment issues with Yitzhak and Hedwig with regards to how Hedwig treats Yitzhak and kind of bosses him around. And, and mm-hmm. you sense that there's there's something in Yitzhak that is not being addressed here by Hedwig. And like, Yitzhak also wants to, there's a really funny joke about like how Yitzhak wants to be Angel in the touring overseas in production of Rent. Rent. Yeah. <laughs> And wants to leave the band for that. And that's that's another funny joke, again, to unpack for later. But, um... And also, Hedwig's manager is kind of just like being worn. Who played by Andrea Martin, who I forgot was in this. I was like, "Oh right, Andrea Martin." By the Martin. way, thank you for not telling. I can't believe you didn't tell me the fucking Queen Andrea Martin <laughs> no, was in this. Although I completely, I, have to say, I completely forgot insane, she's in this. Just criminally underused, by the way, yeah. as she always is in everything. But I was so excited when I saw her name in the credits. I fucking love me some Andrea Martin. She's great. I love her in Difficult People so much, but that's it's a it's a whole other tangent. I love her in everything. Um, yeah, I love her. She's great in everything. Um, but yeah, so it, like basically, uh, it, it ends up that Hedwig kind of sort of resorts back to sex work again, and then accidentally picks up Tommy because well, the again. band leaves her. The band leaves. Like, yeah. Fuck you. You're being an asshole. Right. Yes. She tears up the passport of her husband who's trying to go on this tour. What is it? It's like the. Was it like the Indonesian production of Rent or something? I forget what it is. It's it was like, like the Broadway. It was the Broadway one. Cruises Indonesia, something like yeah, yeah. It was like yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's implied that it's like the boat show version of Rent too. Um, yeah. But <laughs> amazing. So um, Hedwig, tears, Hedwig tears up her, uh, his passport and is like out of spite, and everyone's like, "Well, fuck you, we're leaving the band." And then three weeks later, she's out on the street um, selling her body, and then you know you see people trying to come pick her up, and then eventually you see this giant limo show up. And lo and behold, it's fucking Tommy, the the kid that stole all of her songs and became famous and essentially looks like he's... You guys remember the band Him? Yes! Oh! <laughs> That's exactly it. Literally oh my looks God. like the lead singer of Him. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, oh, that's that's a name I haven't heard in ages. <laughs> wow. I got another gray hair thinking about that, but that is exactly, yes, what he looks like. He's got like a little silver cross and Tommy Gnosis, obviously Greek for, for knowledge. Totally, yeah. totally, totally him. Yeah. At first I was like, I guess kind of Trent Reznor, but no, him is like way, 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 way more accurate, just aesthetically everything. But yeah, so uh, they start bonding again. They get into a drunk uh, driving They're accident. Drinking They're drinking and driving. And driving. Yeah. This is this is bad choices being made by everyone throughout this whole movie. Um, but um, they get into a car accident and then it's kind of like in a weird way, Hedwig's big break because she gets to tell all and give the scoop on like Tommy. And then it kind of ends with this like, I guess 15 minute sort of dream sequence where it's kind of supposed to be Hedwig's big debut that like where she finally, Mm -hmm. you know, gets her time to shine. And she has like this kind of 
I guess, astral apology exchange with Tommy, where Tommy apologizes for kind of everything that he's done to her. And then um, it just kind of ends with Hedwig taking off all of her clothes, just stripping down butt naked, and then, like, I guess kind of passing the torch on to Yitzhak to be who... It's it's, it's all, like, very, like, dreamlike and I think yeah. not literal. Yeah. Um, but, like, passing on, like, the wig to Yitzhak and then just ending out in the street, you know, naked. And there's this whole motif totally of, new, like, yeah, finding your away. other half and there's this visual motif that goes with it and, like, it becomes one at the end and that's 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 the end of Hedwig and the Angry Edge. That's the plot. So we did it, folks. Um, we did it. We, we did, did it. it. Uh, it's, it's, it's a movie that's really... I say pretty wonderfully directed, um, certainly very well acted. Uh, that's a really incredible performance that sort of like anchors this entire thing of this person who's very complex and has like many different conflicting identities and emotions happening simultaneously. And uh, I think it's a pretty good example of form following function mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in terms of the way the story of told reflects the sort of not only a mental emotional state, but also the themes of like what, they're trying to convey with this story. Uh, and I think as we get into a discussion of it, I think what's really interesting about this movie and I guess the musical by extension is like, you can get a lot of different interpretations that are very, very conflicting. Some being really like empowering. Some can actually be kind of terrible. Some can be sort of middle of the road. Some can be seen as like one form of sexuality. Some can be seen as like one, another form of, but it's, it's really, if nothing else, I think like all the controversy around this is merited. And it's like it's a really interesting kind of powder keg of discussion. So I'm actually really excited to hear what you both think, because I was like, you can look at this like 50 different ways and it doesn't necessarily feel like any of them are specifically wrong. And I don't mean that in like a pandering, like everyone's opinion is OK kind of thing. It seems like it's designed to be that if, if, if I don't know if you guys felt that way as well, but that's that's how I took it. Yeah, definitely. Like it, it does have that kind of Rorschach element thing to to it. And I was I was telling Angie last night when I finished watching it, it was like I was trying to look up like threads of discussions and stuff like that just to see kind of what consensuses there were. It was this very weird thing of like finding threads of trans people who love the movie and trans people who mm-hmm. hate the movie and turfs who hit, love the movie and turfs <laughs> right, who hate right. the movie <laughs> right. and detransitioners who are happy about the movie and detransitioners who hate the movie. And it's like I don't want to say I get where they're coming from because I don't want to say I agree with the turfs, but. It's like, oh, I get why someone would look at this and be uncomfortable with it or think that it is supporting harmful views. It's so such yeah. a weird. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, and it's like you have this emotion. I think part in large part, it's because you have this very strong core of an emotional thread that goes all the way through. And you're like understanding why this character is the way that they are, what decisions they made. And we kind of talked about this in Gypsy a little bit, mm-hmm. where it's like when you really do your homework to be like, this person's fucking all these things at once, and here's why. And you're kind of like, yeah, I get it. Like, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I don't like that, but I get. Uh, uh, but it's it's kind of fascinating. Yeah, I've been I've been sitting a lot, like because I went and just wanted to read like everything piece I could about this before I started it because I was like this episode. I mean, because um, I was just like, well, I have a feeling that like where I was when I saw this for the first time when I was thirteen versus you know where mm-hmm. I am at thirty six and my understanding of the world and and art and everything that like I, I have the feeling that things are going to be a little bit more uncomfortable than I remember them being watching it and 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 going back and then kind of doing what Emily did, which was just going and reading like every single viewpoint I could get on this from you know, um and and like you said, not like understanding where some people who have bad intentions would see this and go like, yeah, that that confirms my yeah. narrative of people and yeah. kind of being like conversely why people would be uncomfortable with this. And I think in doing so, I had to go back to what did what appealed to me when I was 13 when I saw this like what was this about that made me go like oh like this is something that speaks to me and is telling me something I've never heard before that feels really 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 powerful and again I say this all with the disclaimer of being a cis woman but I think in reevaluating those things a lot of it was about not just like gender expression but the idea of figuring out who you are and kind of like not having to rely on somebody else at the end of the day was like the powerful thread for that in mm-hmm. me throughout all of that. And ultimately, I guess coming coming to a conclusion of, of, of putting that all together was like, I don't I, I feel frustrated by, um, you know, people like turfs who take this and see it as like, uh, I guess, um, evidence of, of some narr- dumb narrative that they have built up in their head, because I feel like this is a work that was made in incredibly 
good faith that because of like the last especially last five years of discourse and not even discourse but just how people love to vilify a minority like that this was not made in that context and unfortunately that context mm-hmm. is kind of yeah. like ruined the ability to talk and I'm like this is this is not even you know getting to people like trans people who do have an issue with this and i can see very much why but like that context yeah. doesn't exist in in, 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 a, in a way that it, it did exist in like 2000 and emily we i, I was really curious just because i know that this is something that you've been it's been on the back burner like so just regardless of like our sort of you know analysis and discussion like how did it feel when you first watched it in terms of like all the lead up to it like did it live up to the hype did it was it sort of like is it okay like uh, how, how did you what was your sort of your raw reaction before you went into sort of analytical mode to figure out where well, you could place it first things first this was an interesting movie to watch uh 2 days before i have surgery mm-hmm. <laughs> right yeah um Beyond that, like, I I wasn't quite sure what to expect going into it and and watching it. um, I'll just say right off the bat, like, because I mentioned on on the first part that, like, I I got recommended this movie a lot because I was a big fan of Rocky Horror. Mm -hmm. And people are like, this is very similar. And having watched the two, I don't think they're similar in content beyond just saying glam rock queer. Mm -hmm. But I Mm -hmm. do get the similarities in the sense that both Rocky Horror and Hedwig have that thing to where it's like, there are aspects of them that uh, don't play well in modern discourse or might be problematic or, or don't use mm-hmm. terms or viewpoints that we might look at or are sensitive as we might want to be, but have an important place in queer history as a form of expression uh, for the time that they came out, right? Uh, and, and what mm-hmm. they represent and what they can help with people. And uh, to that extent, like, I was on board with the movie pretty much right away. The first song, I was like, oh, this is a cool little Bowie number. I like the Ber- Berlin Wall references. I can set mm-hmm. what they're, I can see what they're setting up here. And then Origin of Love broke me. Oh. Um, <laughs> if I had listened to that as a 13-year-old, I would have been dead. That was, I I remember hearing that for the first time and it just like knocked me on my ass. I was like, musicals can do that? Musicals can have a song like that? Like, like that just destroys you so thoroughly? But yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupt. But like no, that. no, no. Well, no, because I, I, I think it's an interesting song worth talking about because it's kind of like the thesis of the whole thing just put up at the top of the thing and it's it, it references uh plato's symposium yeah yeah that, mm-hmm. you know which if i have the criterion version they actually printed it out oh, oh wait, it's got the bishop with the little hat on it it's got the bishop oh, and the turtleneck God. the james Summerton. oh wow topical <laughs> no let's not talk about james Summerton. this is just about a gay man stealing from minority queer people oh oh whoa <laughs> full circle here full circle oh, whoa, whoa. But yeah, like it's this thing of like the origin of like gender and stuff like that, sexuality of being like split in two by the gods and and, and anger and how like each person's just looking for the other half. Like I I was looking up stuff with with John Cameron Mitchell, you know, the guy who wrote, directed, played Mm -hmm. everything with with Hedwig, basically, except the, the music where he's like, oh, this isn't a trans story. And it's like, it's not, but it is a very gender story. And that song is so gender mm-hmm. in a way that's very interesting to me uh they just kind of like, i don't know it, it the more it went on the more i was like oh yeah this isn't a trans story this is a non-binary story a gender mm-hmm. queer story this is a self-exploration mm-hmm. thing and that didn't surprise me when i looked up and john cameron mitchell is non-binary so yeah, yeah. uh he came out that a, wikipedia a few years is ago. not labeled correctly <laughs> no no it, it is it, 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 it says like, on there it just says he uses he him pronouns his explanation is, is oh, that he does. He's, okay okay he's too old to switch pronouns because he can barely remember his phone number that was the quote <laughs> i read yeah this this idea of it not being like a trans story but just like a story of a, the the personal self on the journey of figuring out who you are and how you express yourself in the world is like i think how I look at this story again. This is just me, mm-hmm. my, 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 my personal views and experiences with it. And I, I don't, be, you know, begrudge people for feeling differently about it, but yeah, like this is, this is about the setting up that other half thing and like who you are taken, like what, what piece of you is taken from you. Sorry, that was a weird sentence. <laughs> I'm like trying to be poetic and it's not working out for me at all today, folks. Um, but just like the idea that like you are always searching for like this, this something of you that is missing is something that I feel like I get what John Cameron Mitchell means when he says this is not a trans narrative per se. It is a personal discovery narrative about, you know, being pushed around by so many external forces and not being able to kind of dig down and see who the actual you is at the end of it. And I guess, um, again, again, going back to my, my good faith thing is that, you know, when you see a piece of art that 
I think means well with this sort of stuff and wants to use this kind of, I guess, um, language of gender exploration and, and whatnot to explore that theme. Like you can see how easily it can get explosive because it's using something that is very, um, high level and personal to tell a story that is not ultimately about that thing. If that makes sense, you know, like, like, no, absolutely. Like, this is, it's a very personal story. He's, you know, obviously you read up on it or even you can just see it and you can tell that this is a character, this is an experience that he's lived with for like so long. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there's stuff based off of his life, stuff based on people he knew. And and sometimes those personal stories don't always fit into the conventions of what we think discourse should be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's what I liked about it too, right? Is that it's like, this is written in a different time where you're not necessarily thinking about discourse at all as much as you're just thinking purely based on this is a character for like warts and all kind of thing. And like, maybe it'll go this way. Maybe it won't go this way. Maybe it'll go that like allowing people to be good when they're good, allowing people to be bad when they're bad. That's ultimately the most interesting characters to watch in my opinion. Right. Like just like our conversation about gypsy. I'm like, that's why that show is, is right. Is yeah. so good. Is that character is just allowed to be and to what's the, uh, like with, with gypsy specifically, I, I support women's wrongs. Um, because like, <laughs> Just letting that character well, be without judgment. It's absent. It's absent of sort of. I feel like a lot of modern, let's call them, you know, media tends to gravitate more towards a sense of morality. Mm-hmm. On it. Uh-huh. And I don't necessarily think you have to have morality as long as you're not saying that something is good. As long as you're saying it's not good or bad, it just sort of is. It yeah. makes it more interesting to watch to be like, well, maybe you think this person's fucked up or maybe you don't, but that's not necessarily what the filmmaker's intentions are. Yeah. I think the filmmaker's intentions are for you to empathize with this person in this fucked up, really insane, bizarre story that they've had to live. And I think that's what's makes it, Emily, kind of what you're talking about. I, I agree with that aspect of it. That's what makes it sort of, it is what it is, as the kids would say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was I was watching a behind the scenes thing on the Criterion of this like interview they filmed with basically everyone involved in 2019 uh and john cameron mitchell was like yeah uh we this was made in time where we didn't really have content warnings and we probably you know we didn't have trigger warnings we probably did trigger some people with like some of the content and the jokes and things like that but also our goal here was just to be comforting Mm -hmm. uh and it's like yeah i I think that still comes through in in the overall uh, picture of it even when we get into kind of some of the messier elements or the stuff that like we can look at today of like you know the 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 botched sexual reassignment surgery mm-hmm. or the, the 17 year old. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, just even, even just like, I know a lot of people have like a lot of feelings about like the ending and like, like, I guess they will see it as like a, like a, um, for lack of a better word, like, Oh, this is just like a detrans like narrative. Like that's what this is like doing. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think it's actually saying that, but also I see where that interpretation comes from, you know, like, yeah this this also speaks to the danger of like having maybe one movie that represents like one specific trying to put like yeah fucking 50 different subgroups into one movie and be like this represents all of them and because there's no clear narrative everyone like that's why you got to have like more than one kind of headwig in the angry (laughs) intro yeah (laughs) absolutely like the ending was very confusing for me watching it but that Mm -hmm. was just mainly because the ending is confusing in general yeah uh, when you when you watch it the first time, because it is just very abstract, very suddenly, like the music stops being just a pure diegetic thing mm-hmm. uh, and becomes very, very even more over the top somehow. But I can see why it would be a detransition thing. But also watching it, I was like, because that, that was in my mind, but also I was like, I don't think that's the message that the people making this would want me to leave with. The, the, exa- yeah. I, and I, I'm, I yeah. agreed with it. I, I, I didn't I, get that either. Yeah. And again, it's that we don't exist in that context anymore of when this was made. And it, it like it, it's not necessarily a bad thing that we don't, that we have these words and that we're able to talk about these things at a, I guess, more granular level. But yeah, like, I don't know. It just it makes me like really sad. Like when I was looking up thing pieces of it, that sometimes like really like that, that bad people had that takeaway from it or that like that is the takeaway. And I'm like, I, I agree. I don't think that was what was going on in the heads and hearts of everyone who made this uh, in any capacity, but just, I don't know, like times have changed. We're like, what, how old is this? Almost 30, we're 25 years old at this point. So like, yeah, it literally yeah. came out the Friday of fucking nine 11. Yeah. Oh, came that's out right. Yeah. Just, yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, sucks for you guys. He, he, good timing. <laughs> John talks about that on the, the documentary where he's like, yeah, most people who saw Hedwig in theaters saw it the day after nine mm-hmm. 11 because movie <laughs> tickets were free. Oh my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Can you like after who went to the movies after nine eleven? 
Yeah. I mean, I might have, but I was four, so like. How sure. dare you, <laughs> a four year old, go to the movies after 9 11? <laughs> take it seriously at the you. time. Um, what? Like, I can't even. I, I don't even remember what else came out in theaters that week. Like, if it uh, was Spider- glitter, glitter, <laughs> oh, oh, glitter. oh no, you could either bad see glitter. week for musicals. Oh, I know. Just on so many levels, it's like you had glitter and Hedwig happening at nine eleven. Maybe just I don't know. What 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 a what a moment in time was nine eleven for? If only for the movies that came out that week. <laughs> I mean, um, <laughs> that was like I guess that was bastard. the week for the gays. I guess we did yeah. it. Um, <laughs> I think, oh, it's really funny, though, when you go back to, like, talking about um, just this is why we need more than one Hedwig, like, this joke of, like, rent existing, because my memory of it is, like, that is a joke entirely made up for the movie, and even this idea that, like, yeah, like, in theater, if you wanted to do anything mainstream that was going to make you money and had, like, any sort of queer representation in it, it was sadly, like, rent, and even rent is unavoidable in this, like, universe, <laughs> like, it's very funny to me, like, I, I'm like, whatever acts yeah. John Cameron Mitchell had to grind, I'm glad he grinded it, because it was really funny. <laughs> I, I I I should double check this, but I'm pretty sure I read that like John Cameron Mitchell was up, like he was a runner up for the role of Angel. What? Oh my oh, shit! Wow. <laughs> Because like, my very first experience with John Cameron Mitchell is uh, there's a musical version of The Secret Garden and he was the original Dakin in it. And I found the cast recording for that like this exact same time I found Hedwig. And so it's just like very confusing because he's doing like this yeah. very like, you know, like a Yorkshire accent in, in The Secret <laughs> Garden. And then Hedwig is just this complete like gender fuck glam rock thing that was like the exact opposite. But found them both on AOL radio. God rest AOL radio. Oh, the AOL. things I found through AOL radio and AOL in general, most of which should probably be left and never talked about again but you know it is what it uh, is real, real quick I, I wanted to ask you guys just before we move past it so this the idea that somehow uh, there's a detransition narrative at the end of it because she takes off her wig and she's I, I mean the, the way that I I'm assuming you guys did not necessarily take that uh, interpretation right mm, no 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 that's not no. how I read it yeah like it was one of those where I saw it and I was like I could like see how someone could view this as a detransition but I was thinking more of like oh this is someone going down to their like bare yeah exactly yeah, yeah 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 like their bare estate that's exactly how I saw it too yeah yeah especially with the the rock and roll kind of like you know stagey you know th- I need to put on all these wigs and makeup and all these crazy outfits mm-hmm. in order to be seen for who I am yeah mm-hmm. yeah opposed, you know I, I don't think it's mutually exclusive where like you take your wig off and all of a sudden you're like I'm detransitioning and it's like back to whatever. It yeah. seems it's, like no, it's like it's the just, end of Hannah Montana the movie uh, in that regard. <laughs> <laughs> all, all great things go back to Hannah Montana, the movie. Um, I, I, I see that scene because uh, one of my other favorite scenes in the movie, Wig in a Box, which is right after she is dumped by Luther and decides to like lean in with what what the situation she's in. And uh, it, it's a song that's like tremendous to me because uh, at its surface, it sounds really empowering, but like as you're watching it, you know, it's just Hedwig burying herself in something further that is not necessarily coming from this organic of this is who I am, but like this is the situation that I am in. And so I will put this on like my armor and it's yeah, a defense. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you have that ending where everything's off and then like she's naked and all there is is the, is the, 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 the a uh, visual motif of the split face at the end becoming whole. Like that's what I yeah. thought that was a response to mm-hmm. of just yeah. like shedding that defense and that. And I mean, that's, that kind of goes back to, to what Mitchell was saying in terms of like, this isn't a trans narrative and like how it's about being gender queer. Cause it's like this idea of like, y- you had Hansel that was forced into one binary and then, mm-hmm. you know, Hedwig forced into another of like, this is how a woman performs. This is how a woman looks. You have to be one or the other. You know, East West Berlin, there's a wall, Hedwig's a new wall, all, all of that sort of thing. So, like, the ending, I didn't see it as, oh, I'm detransitioning, I'm a guy now. It's like, hey, I don't have to be yeah. right. either. I don't have to be any. Right. Like, the whole idea, like, we set up the motif so early on, folks. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> The walls are down. That's that's what Bitch, it is. Bitch, I do what I want. Right. <laughs> the walls, yeah. they do fall down. Um, yeah. It. You know, it's... Like Doug Walker's The Wall, the wall collapses, and then you, <laughs> and then you make a twenty hour oh a twenty hour video about it with um a little CGI demon in it. I did want to say, uh, speaking of Doug Walker's The Wall, um I I forgot that this was a ninety minute movie, and when I put this on, I was like, oh, coffee's gonna be so love happy. It. We this love a ninety, we a love 90, a 90 minute, minute movie. movie. Yeah, God bless them. Yeah, literally, literally, because this thing has like five documentaries and the bonus features. There's one of them that is longer than the movie. Oh wow. <laughs> 
Would you recommend oh, it? Because I was like debating about buying it after watching this because I was like, oh, honestly, damn. yeah, like, uh, you know, it, it's uh, the interview I thought was really interesting. I didn't get to watch all of the bonus features because, like I said, they're fucking long. There's like five of them. Right. Uh, there's also a bunch of like deleted scenes. You know, I I'm always like a sucker for physical media. And I think especially for movies that have something like this yeah. where it's like a lot of rewatchable, you know, material. And then also just the ability to dive into it deeper uh, mm-hmm. on a more concrete way. Uh, I, I, I recommend it, but also I pay 20 bucks for it, so I can't complain. Sure. That's a good price. That Criterion yeah. Flash Sale uh, treats you well. <laughs> you, you gotta hop on it. <laughs> Most wonderful time of the year. Um, no, that, that's good to know, because, like, yeah, my sister, again, my sister and I watched this, like, 8,000 times in the year 2002, and, like, mm-hmm. wore, wore it down that, it's kind of, like, I guess heartening, thank God for Criterion uh, putting it out, because it was one of those, like, again, this was made for $6 million. I think it only opened in, like, six theaters, and, like, the fact that it exists and now has, like, this nice thing is just, it's a nice footnote to it, I think. Um, Absolutely. And... (laughs) We, if, we, if you don't buy this movie, you let the terrorists win. Right, exactly. <laughs> Literally what happened. Yeah. Bin yeah. Laden Go. tried to destroy this. Criterion is standing at the front line of, yeah. f- of, of free speech and media. You need to go out there and support them. Be a soldier in the Criterion it's Army. It's the anti-9-11 if you buy this. <laughs> go to your Barnes & Noble and do the all-American act of buying Hedwig and glitter on Blu-ray right now. <laughs> yes, and glitter. One of the things we never got to was glitter. Damn. When, you know what? You know when this comes back you in know, the year of our of our Lord 2050, we will do glitter. You know, because it, it feels like you can't do Hedwig and the Angry Inch and not do glitter. Like you're doing they're really service. companion pieces. You know, right. like they're the whole basis of why comparative analysis exists. And like we, it's the like, fact that we did not account for glitter, I feel like is a you know you have fans from the Paradise, you have Rocky Horror, you have Hedwig, you have glitter. <laughs> They're in the same. They're on the same. They're on the same they're series the of movies. Same. I did want to go. Like uh, this did make me go. I do want to watch. Um, I, I I get why people say like Rocky Horror Picture Show in in recommending this to people. I also am like I would want to double feature this with um Phantom of the Paradise. So yes, badly. I mean to be fair, I always want to watch things with Phantom of the Paradise. It's yeah, like a good like follow up chaser movie to anything. That's true. You uh, could put it on after like the Red Balloon. You could put it on after. <laughs> I watched the Fablemans and then put Phantom of the Paradise on right Perfect. after. Right, right, right. We've talked a lot about the themes. We haven't talked a lot about the music if we're talking about Phantom of the Paradise. And oh. Because this, was, this has some fucking glam rock bangers. Some good bangers. So, yeah, it does. The, yeah, me watching this being like, oh, fuck, this is a good song. And that's a great song, too. And what do you mean we get Songs another amazing song? And then there's a weird country song that's really good. Oh, yeah. Sugar Daddy. Yeah. Um, Has one of my favorite jokes in the whole movie where, like, she's, like, walking across the tabletops and, like, leans over this guy's face and has, like, this little, like, fringy cowgirl skirt on. She goes, a car wash, ladies and gentlemen. Like, one of my favorite moments in the whole thing. I I loved that whole musical number. Every time they performed in one of the fish restaurants, it just... I loved it. As someone who's done a lot of improv in similar restaurants, that is like exactly the level of depressing. Um, but you must muscle through it. Energy that all of those gigs yeah. have. I'm like that is that is it 100. percent And you must carry on. Um, no, the music I think is I think a lot of what keeps me coming back to it. I found out via the Criterion that Tim Burton wanted to direct this movie. <laughs> that makes Wait, sense. Wait, what? Really? Interesting. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, apparently Tim Burton used to frequent uh, the the squeeze box, which was the original like right. drag bar that this was performed at, and like apparently he wanted to direct it. And I'm John so Cameron glad he did like, not. No, yeah, yeah no, <laughs> bullet dodge there. Can you? Yeah, Is this off the tales of fucking Ed Wood or something, where he just was he starting to explore yeah. the gender identity. This was, I mean, this would have been like 99 ish, right? Yeah. yeah. So what? Have, what was he doing? The same time. Mars Sleepy Attacks. Hollow? Yeah, Mars Attacks. Sleepy. <laughs> Oh yeah, you're right. Oh, no, you do Mars attacks, and you're like, I need to explore gender right now. That w- and we'd be having Johnny Depp. Oh, it's '94. I lied. I'm stupid. It's yeah. It, it all blends together. This is also, I should say, John Cameron Mitchell's directorial debut, which again uh, is pretty fascinating to me. Pretty pretty solid for a first time director. Yeah. yeah. Because I was like, he he made like this art film short bus, I think right after. And that was what I was thinking about. Like, I was like, that was his first movie. And I was like, nope, nope, it was this. And also speaking of we were speaking about this with um, uh, Notre Dame de Paris last week. We're like, this is very much a product of its time, too. It's very much like that late 90s, like Sundance kind of audience award winner movie of like how it feels. I couldn't tell if it was actually just kind of having fun poking fun at that. And like there are parts of it where it is like very like serious and like going for like all the beautiful animated segments that do feel very much like, yes, this is um, 
Uh, mm-hmm. Two cowboys eating pudding, as the South Park joke goes, like at yeah. Sundance. <laughs> like it has that, but then like there are parts of it where I feel like it's actually I don't know if it's kind of like having fun with that or like because because of how silly some of the context gets at a certain point. Like yeah. some of the jokes are just so ridiculous in this like little like six you know million dollar budget movie thing. I'm like, is it kind of making fun of itself for that? I can't especially tell. kind of the Berlin segments, which have these like really like moody dramatic light- <laughs> lighting. Mm-hmm. But then it's like I had to stick my head in an oven to right. listen to rock music. <laughs> right, right, and then exactly. I got for these gummy bears. <laughs> Wicked Little Town. That's the name of the song. Wicked Little Town. So I, I, I was like, it's going to come to me and I'm looking at it and I'm looking at the list of this and I'm like, why can I not divine which song this is? I don't have the wherewithal to Google it. It's, it's Wicked Little Town, but it's the song that um, you kind of hear Tommy Gnosis singing the most out of all of it. And it's the song that um, when you see first see Hedwig at the mall with like her band of like army wives that's the song they're playing mm-hmm. and it's just like this magnificent oh that's a great song yeah I like that song a lot too such a good like that's the song that I think I kept coming back to just to listen to over and over again but like just I, I love this idea of like um with the wicked little town just being stuck in this nowhere place and it, that that is always what's going to follow you even when you leave kind of if you look at the lyrics of it and then like yeah having that closure of Tommy singing it back to her during that re- dreamlike reprise is, is, is just so beautiful to me and I just love that song i love that piano in it so much and i just that that was all i wanted to say i really like that song i know everyone loves the word to love but i really really love wicked little town i think it's just a stunning stunning bit of um songwriting right there but uh yeah oh also uh we did have a rosie o'donnell cameo in this and i have to yes. assume she did it oh for right me. that's right yeah it's like a blink and you miss it right. yeah I, I i looked up they like legit just performed on her show and then they were like can we use the footage Oh my god! Sure, sure. (laughs) Patron of the arts, Rosie O'Donnell. Like I don't know how much damage she dealt to millennials um, in turning them into theater kids. Because um, I did you ever watch the Rosie O'Donnell show? So she's the one. She's the one to blame. Throwing koosh balls and making kids perform Annie on daytime television. Like how is I how is I going to be normal after that? But yeah, was anybody else a Rosie O'Donnell show person? Because she she was a broad. I mean, I, I. I, I was probably too young to watch the show itself. Sure. I mainly know Rosie O'Donnell from the Flintstones. Betty on the Flintstones. <laughs> right, right. I remember that, that laugh, that distinct laugh. <laughs> like, kind of like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I remember yeah. people making Rosie O'Donnell jokes, but not knowing why as a kid. Because it's like, I don't fucking know who this person is. What did she do? Yeah. Rosie O'Donnell did nothing. That's the answer. That's, that's, yeah. I want, if, if oh, I want, no. whenever I'm like, what did this person who got made fun of in the 2000s, who's a woman, do? Right. No, really. Like, I, I think back and I was like, oh, it was literally nothing. She did nothing. She did nothing wrong. She wasn't a very bad ABC TV movie that I will not get into on the podcast, because if you want to talk about dissecting something, huh. Uh, I think I know what you're talking people, about. People will, if you, if you lived it, you will probably know what I'm talking about, and this is not what that podcast is about, but that, that's, that's maybe her only crime against humanity. Otherwise, we love you. Rosie no, plus she was, on, she was on Curb Your Enthusiasm and like some of my favorite Oh, books. that's right, yeah. Uh, she gets in a fight with Larry David about wanting to take the check and pay for <laughs> right. it and get into like a fist fight, which, you know, as a person of Middle Eastern descent, I'm like, yes, yes. I can get behind this gag. That's 100% all of us all the time. I understand uh, that. <laughs> Before we uh, move on from music entirely, I, I did want to shout out Midnight Radio, uh, which was like the final number. Uh, beyond just being a great song, it very much gave me uh, vibes of rock and roll suicide from Ziggy Stardust, mm. uh, which mm. is amazing closing track and one of my favorite Bowie songs. So when I heard it, I was like, ah, Mm. I see what you're I doing see, here and I like what it you're doing. I love that song too I just love like the shout out to all of like the um, again going back to women who uh, never got their flowers or seen as like um, just nuisances like there's this like long shout out to like uh you know, uh, Tina Turner and Yoko Ono and Aretha Franklin and all these like queens. Yeah. And then, and then yeah. like, and, and me at the end of it. And I'm like, fuck yes. <laughs> this is so good. I love this song. Like, that's the affirmation. You're just out there making your rock and roll carrying on, you know, despite the world pushing you around in whatever direction. I love it. Wholesome. Midnight Radio. Great yeah. song. My sister and I used to have long fights over whether or not the off-Broadway recording or the movie recording was the better one. And that's, you know, my sister's Those my are best always friend. brutal fights. Brutal. Yeah. Lost, like, almost lost my sister's friendship over those because we were both so invested in it, too. Like, the way we love this. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, great song. But, yeah. Hard to agree. Man, I hate to tell you what my sister and I fought about. It was definitely not about Broadway recordings. <laughs> No, <laughs> uh, oh. I I mean, my sister and I would fight over which is the better Les Mis recording. So I get it. Yeah. Because yeah. she likes the movie. 
<gasps> and see, I am a 10th anniversary girly. Oh, uh, see, I'm an original London cast girly because that's how you get Patti LuPone singing I Dreamed a Dream. That is true. It's the best thing in the world. Um, not talked about enough how that is the best version of I Dreamed a Dream. Sorry, Susan Boyle. Sorry, Anne Hathaway. Uh, Patti LuPone did it the first time and did it the best time. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> had to get that off my chest. Um, anyway, so uh, are there any closing thoughts that we might have stuff that you wanted to address that we didn't get a chance to uh, discuss. Should we talk about Tommy Gnosis at all? Like as a character? Sure. As yeah. A, let's do it. That's, that's an interesting just subplot mm. <laughs> or main plot. Mm. The, the, the idea of, of Tommy being this underage kid, you know, Christian household. Uh, apparently Tommy was supposed to be the main character in the original Yeah, version. yeah, yeah. I remember reading oh, really? that somewhere that it, Tommy was kind of like the, yeah, the, that was where the bigger character arc had originally, or when they were developing the characters throughout like the, the series of performances like they were doing at Squeezebox, that Tommy mm-hmm. was kind of the character they leaned more into at the at the start. I had read the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which like makes sense, but it, it's, it's interesting, this whole uh, transformation. And it's one of those things to where trying to figure out exactly what to make of this character, especially because we only see him through Hedwig's mm-hmm. perspective. Right. Mm-hmm. It made me very uncomfortable initially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is. Listen, we're sympathetic to the character's struggles and all that. But, you know, by any other character, that's like, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's yeah. sexually assaulting a minor. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. Let's just yeah. call it what it is. And I think we're I, I was reticent to say that because, again, because it f- feeds into a harmful narrative mm. of something that's being used yeah. against people yeah, in yeah. a disgusting way. Uh, but, you know, we, yeah. we'd be lying if we said that's not what happened in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I think the story is aware of it since, you know, the story is like Hedwig gets hurt and then Hedwig hurts other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in, yeah. A, in an that's effort of control. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's interesting. And you also do get some fun stuff from it, like the love me from the front. Yeah. Thing which I just thought I, that was, was a, that was like a heartbreaking scene. Yeah. That, that, yeah. I was like, oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Because as, as a trans woman, that is like a fear that you have of like this idea of someone who can idolize you mm-hmm. and like admire your body. You know, the, the, mm-hmm. the chasers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, which is a relatable thing uh, for a lot of trans women. And this idea of just like, oh, you want to love me, but you don't want to actually look at me, acknowledge me, see that I'm like this. You like the idea, but not the actual reality of it uh which i thought was very heartbreaking uh despite the overall uh <laughs> messy nature of the context inappropriateness of that it, yeah. relationship yeah uh it's complicated we don't we don't condone that on this we don't no. I, it, it, it is interesting like that you say like oh you know we never see it through tommy's eyes and like just sitting with why that character is 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 so about hedwig until they have to deal with the reality of who Hedwig is, is like, I think that's kind of what I was just sitting there like, because like, um, you know, you're growing up in like a very Christian, like a military family, and then someone like that comes into your life, but also is conflicting against everything you know about life. And this is not, again, we're not condoning anything here, but just like seeing someone like Hedwig and then immediately running the moment your worldview is challenged in a way that like, you know, it's one thing to like play rock and roll and like, you know, want to like talk about music and goofy like performative shit like giving yourself a band name and stuff but like the moment Mm -hmm. that like he has to sit with Hedwig who she is and or who she thinks she is at this point and runs from it um I don't know like I think that's like such an interesting conflict for a character that you never actually get to sit in with um especially because this character is 17 I think 18 by the time they break up and like that is heartbreaking because I feel like that is just like that's that's just uh, I think a lived experience a lot of people have um just like getting close to someone to only have them when you let down your walls again this whole idea of yeah. letting down your walls to have them run is just like yeah it's it's I, I, yeah yeah <laughs> like it's such a like I understand Tommy really well in that I don't condone like it is it's sad and it's heartbreaking mm-hmm. on Hedwig's side of it but just like the the running as soon as like you are confronted with something that breaks your worldview is um, or challenges what who you desire and who you love like is really interesting to me. Like, yeah. I, I feel like it would have played out so differently had this been written in like, you know, 2016, you know, onwards, yeah. you know? So yeah, like it's a, it's a fascinating character. I'm not a Michael Pitt fan, but I really actually like him in this. Um, I forgot that he was in this too. I was like, Oh, right. Michael Pitt. They tried to make Michael Pitt happen like Jared Leto. Um, <laughs> oh, but, uh, 
right? Like they, there's a period where they're like, we're gonna make Michael Pitt happen, and he was like in everything. And then I'm nothing against the guy, but yeah, I'm just then he's just he's just gone. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting character to me, and it's very funny because like in the stage show, it's just all off screen recordings, and that's all you get. So like you don't ever get any real insight. Like you get less insight than you do in the movie. It's just literally you hear his voice, and it's the same actor, you know, just doing a nasally high pitched like kind of. Kind of like um, yeah. Billy Corgan type wine to it, and that's all you get. I've heard some people like interpret like, especially with the stage show, that Tommy is like the same person as Hedwig. It's just mm. like a split personality sort mm-hmm. of thing. Tyler Durden, Saint Jimmy, sure, sure, whatever. I don't think that works for the movie, but I could definitely see that as a interpretation mm-hmm. of things, especially as you get towards the end and you get the weird ending where Hedwig yeah. is kind of dressed as Tommy. Yeah, yeah. I never heard that or before. Or Tommy but that's... dressed as the real Hedwig. Ooh. Ooh. And then the walls of Wilmington, Delaware start coming down. All those, <laughs> all those credit card buildings. Everything's the same movie at the end of the day. No. Um, but yeah, uh, I never really thought about that. But that's actually really interesting. And with the stage show in particular, I can absolutely uh, see that. Emily, thank you again uh, for joining us in this conversation. It's wonderful to have you. I'm excited that you finally got to watch this thing that's been on a sort of bucket list of movies to watch forever. Yeah. Yeah. No, same. I'm excited I got to watch it. I'm excited I finally got to squeeze in on this podcast at the last possible Hell minute. Yeah. Getting in there. Indiana so, Jones style. Right. And, yeah, after years of people being like, Emily, you should go on musical explain it. I'm like, it is not up to me. You're like, I'm fucking waiting. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's it happened, baby. The stars aligned. It's, it's such a treat to have you. Again, I'm glad you got to cross off a bucket list thing to uh to, to be on this podcast for, but also it's just super fun um talking to you as always. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, oh no problem. I'm looking forward to to not returning to be a guest, but <laughs> talking more about yeah. cast recordings with you after. After the recording is over. <laughs> when we see ballroom cats, it's on. It's going to be so good. I think we're just going to have to start a whole podcast about cats, to be perfectly honest, afterwards. Um, just, just, look, just... look, I'm, I'm Did there. I teach you nothing? Has no one learned anything from <laughs> Mon- me on this podcast? Monetize. Monetize your feelings. Um, yeah, no, but thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, when we come back in 2050 for Glitter, you are welcome. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're oh, be on that for you. sure. Yeah, yeah. Episode. Uh, why don't you just tell us real quick and the audience out there what you're up to and where they can follow you or find you or anything like that you want to plug? Uh, yeah, no. So I'm on YouTube as Lady Emily. So you can just look that up there. I'm on Twitter and Tumblr as Great Cheshire, like, you know, the cat from Alice in Wonderland. I just do video essays and make shit posts. Uh, also, not a plug for me real quick, but, but like because we are talking about gender and trans stuff. Um, mm-hmm. If you're someone who likes the glam rock music of Hedwig, but are kind of uncomfortable with the the subject matter for whatever reason, or just, even if you just want more of it, I just want to throw out some bands out there to recommend. So Laura Jane Grace's music and her band Against Me would be great. Uh, Mel Stone, Left at London. Listen to them if you want more this. Uh, and watch Phantom of the Paradise. <laughs> yes. Just because. Just because. Just, just because. Just because. <laughs> I'm not affiliated with the movie. I just... No. You should it, watch it. It's it's never a bad idea to watch Phantom of the Paradise, like straight up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the second podcast where Angie and I just talk about Phantom of the Paradise. Yeah, that's it. Every week. Every week. I don't think it's like if you watch like an episode of Oh, where like Trixie and Katya just say the same five stories over and over again. It's just literally that. But our podcast, it's, and it's, it's Phantom, Phantom of the Paradise. <laughs> uh, Kave, you got anything going on? Uh, yeah. So, OK. So as always, I'm at Kavitarian on Twitter, at Permafriends on Instagram. And actually, I'm finally uh, I'm able to announce what my next thing's going to be. So I'm very excited to share this with you guys all. Um, in January, we're going to release episodes. Uh, I'm actually starting a new podcast. It is called 500 Open Tabs. And <laughs> right. Angie's already like, yep. Oh, yeah. So if you're like us, uh, you're a crazy person. You have too many tabs open on your phone of articles, well, you know, videos, whatever it is that you're going to watch or read, uh, then have been putting them off forever. So I don't know if you guys remember Hannah Hillam. She was with us on the uh, Book of Mormon episode. So Hannah and I are starting a new show where it's kind of going to be like almost like this Marie Kondo, like, does this tab spark joy kind of thing? <laughs> no. And we're going to pick a tab each episode. <laughs> right, right. Cleaning never does. This tab never sparks so joy. <laughs> Yeah. So we're going to pick one of our tabs and finally, you know, read the thing that we've been putting off forever and then report it back to each other. And most importantly and crucially, close the tab at the end of every episode, which is going to be terrifying. The moment you said that, I looked in horror at my at my Google Chrome. Uh I have 48 tabs open there. 
and on oh. my phone I have 478 <gasps> tabs open. Yes, those are good numbers. <laughs> Do any of them make good you feel numbers. good about yourself? <laughs> They're all things I need. <laughs> like exactly. Mm, I don't even want to look at mine. Uh, nope. But yeah, so basically today should be the 12th. Hopefully, if all things are in order, we're dropping a trailer today. Uh, so please go look for the show in Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you find your podcasts and subscribe. Uh, trailer drops today, but episodes will start uh, releasing in mid-January. So reminder to just do that right now. And um, uh, full transparency, it's real hard to start a new podcast and get an audience. So if you guys like me, even in the slightest bit, I would really, 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 we would both really appreciate it if you guys were to subscribe and tell everybody you know. Uh, also, we're all across uh, you know, Twitter and Instagram, 500 open tabs. We kept it pretty simple. So go ahead and follow all those things. And we're going to start going in January. And of course... Both you lovely ladies are invited to come on at some point when we start getting our proper bearings, but it's going to be a fun. I What I'm really hoping for in the future, too, is like if you're known for one specific thing, it'll be an opportunity for that person to come talk about something that they don't maybe necessarily get to talk about. But maybe there's like some random interest that they have and they get to share with us. Sure. So uh, it's going to be a fun journey. I'm very excited and terrified of when I show up on it because I have nothing good to bring to the table. <laughs> I never do either. And somehow I'm starting a second podcast. So you're in good company, just like us. <laughs> can't wait. Can't wait. Uh, and I uh, have, a, have, a, have a thing coming out uh, with Lindsay fairly soon in, in maybe a week from when this podcast gets released. I'm very released. excited for this Hopefully, one. fingers yeah. crossed, there's there's... Things shall reveal itself. Why we're having some 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 time with it, but uh, hopefully by yeah Christmas it should be out. So hopefully yeah in a week from when this is this is released at least. So <laughs> fingers crossed on that. And uh, as always, I'm Y Angelina Y on all the things except for Instagram, where I'm Angelina underscore S C E. And uh, that's all I got. Uh, once again, thank you yeah. so much, Emily, for joining thank us. Thank you, Emily. Ooh, oh, what thank a treat! Y'all. What a pleasure. Um, join yeah. us uh, join us all again one La- more <laughs> episode left our next episode will be our series finale I'm, so I'm, make sure not to miss it yeah one day more one day more indeed uh, tears until in my then. eyes <laughs> until then we will, yeah gonna be lots of tears on that one yeah uh, that's never then, the case I've never cried on this you, yeah right <laughs> neither have I uh, we will see you guys at the 